And I, and I really think that it's good for us to think about story as a series of small stories so people can tune in when they want and tune out when they want. From cave drawings to family histories to stories around the fire, humans crave order among chaos, connection amid isolation. So we tell stories. Our mission at the Storytellers Network is to bring the art of story to the masses. Whether you're in marketing, you're an entrepreneur, or you're developing your own personal brand, telling your story effectively can make the difference between celebrating milestones and collecting unemployment. The Storytellers Network strives to help storytellers tell their stories so you can learn from the best. Now, your host, Dan Moyle. Welcome, Storytellers. I'm your host, your guide, your librarian. I'm Dan, and I love story. I love sharing the stories of storytellers I admire and some I'm just getting to know alongside you. And I believe in the power of story because it connects us. It's what makes us human. Whether it's culture, whether it's business, learning, entertainment, story is critical to our communication. And what better way to learn how to do it better than to hear from expert storytellers from all walks of life. And before we get into the conversation, a little nudge to visit the website, thestorytellersnetwork.com for past episodes with amazing storytellers, links to resources to help you tell a better story, and contact information for me. And be sure to subscribe via email. You can sign up all there at thestorytellersnetwork.com. Now for the show. Michael Houlihan and Bonnie Harvey are the managing members of Footnotes Press LLC. They're the founders of Barefoot Wine, and they co-authored The Barefoot Spirit, How Hardship, Hustle, and Heart Build America's Number One Wine Brand. Now, the book chronicles the humble beginnings of the world's largest wine brand and is a case study in more than 50 schools out there in the world that teach entrepreneurship. Yes, they're teaching entrepreneurship in America, and it's amazing. Now, the original New York Times bestselling paperback has actually been transformed into a dramatically performed audiobook, sort of like an audio drama and podcast or like old school radio with actors and everything, including voice work from Hollywood legend Ed Asner. It is so cool to hear the story, why they did it, all about it. So without further ado, let's get to the stories. If there was a barefooter in the area and state laws allowed it, Randy would send the barefooter to the house to make the delivery. Hi, I'm from Barefoot. I heard you got a bad cork. The people at the door would have their jaws hanging open. Here's another bottle. And here are a couple t-shirts. Have a nice evening. Oh, gee. Thanks. Some of the calls were so good, Randy would play them on the answering machine at Barefoot's office. My lovely wife and I are enjoying a nice glass of your cab. We're both barefoot. Not only that, we're both naked. Later, I'm going to drink some wine from her shoe. When he could, Randy called back quickly, though he generally steered clear of people drinking from their shoes. He picked up a message one Friday evening from a party in Chicago. The caller said they loved the wine and made everyone take their shoes off before they phoned. Randy called back. Hi, my name is Randy. I'm from Barefoot Wine. Woohoo! Everyone quiet! Hey, hey, quiet! The Barefoot guy's on the phone. The Barefoot guy. How good was that? A salesman returning a phone call got turned into a superhero. It also got him the permanent nickname, The Barefoot Guy. I just called to say, I'm glad to hear you're having a good time. Thanks for drinking barefoot. Hey, everyone, he said, thanks for drinking barefoot. People at that Chicago party started cheering. Randy could hear the whoops and yays. Woo, we love barefoot. Yeah. Wine is great. We love your foot. 
That doesn't sound particularly groundbreaking in this current hyper-connected world when making personal connections is a mainstream business tactic, but it was new then, and it came from thinking the way any business needs to think. Michael and Bonnie, thank you so much for joining the Storytellers Network to tell your story about, I am so excited to get in this, uh, welcome. Thank you so much, Dan, <laughs> it's a pleasure to be here. We're delighted. So. I think of you two, knowing a little bit of your story, I thought of you as winemakers who, you know, live the American dream of starting this thing and then selling it, making money, and then you can go retire in, you know, the French Riviera. Um, but do you consider yourselves more of an entrepreneur or more storytellers? Oh, that's a good question. In my mind, a successful entrepreneur shares stories in order to get their their message across. So I, I have a tough time answering that. What do you say, Michael? Well, I say <laughs> in order to be an entrepreneur, you have to make sales. You got to sell your people, you got to sell your vendors, and you got to sell your buyers because that's how you get credit and that's how you get purchase orders. Mm -hmm. And people buy a story. So the question is, what is the story that you bring to the table for each one of those relationships? Yes. That's really good. People buy a story. Yeah, absolutely. Is that, is that why stories are so powerful right now and so popular in, in our cultures? Because we've realized that finally? Yeah, it really is become in the movies too. It's true stories are based on true events. And people are, are getting more excitement out of seeing what happens to real people than something that's made up. They can relate to it easier. Yeah, they identify. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So in the intro, I, I talked about your, the book that you, that you all wrote and got turned into this amazing audio book, but that's, that doesn't do it justice. I don't feel like, there you go. Barefoot. Sir. Uh, so the barefoot spirit is, is this audio book, but it's not just an audio book. Tell explain to the listeners what it really is. What is, what is this 3d audio thing that you talk about? It's business audio theater. It's 3d audio. The characters, the, the book itself tells stories to, to relate lessons that we learned. And we learned a lot of lessons. We learned them the hard way. And we want to share that with other people. So we're sharing it in story form. But no, it's not just a narrator reading the book. We've got a lot of characters. I think we have over 100 characters are identified in the book. Wow. And there's actors that are voicing out the stories, the characters in the book as they tell their story. It's really exciting. <laughs> and there's sound effects and a complete musical score. Yeah. So you're kind of, we call it edutainment because you get you get entertained by the story. Oh, and by the way, I got a lesson out of it, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. And now Absolutely. I can recall the lesson because I saw what happened to Michael when he got kicked out of that office. <laughs> <laughs> right? It, it's fun. I think that's another part of it. Not only does the story connect us and make us buy, but it, it gives us those lessons. It's what sticks in our brain. If you just tell me some facts, I don't necessarily care, but the best stories are the ones that teach me. Um, such a great lesson. Right. And I think it's easier to remember the lesson if it's in story form. And that's really important to us. And that's really my goal is to get the message out there, get the lessons so other entrepreneurs can learn from what we learned. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. And yeah, it's we need to build on our collective experiences and knowledge. Right. And just make things yes, better exactly. as we go. And so, so let's we go. want to make it painless <laughs> through <Yeah>. storytelling. <laughs> 
right? <laughs> as painless as possible, there's always going to be some pain, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. So, Michael and Bonnie, where does that storytelling start for you then? Can you think back on your lives even, like, did you realize that an entrepreneur ought, ought to be a storyteller back at the beginning? Or did you come to realize that throughout the journey? It was throughout the journey, Dan. You know, uh, I got into business the way that most people get into business. You know, they fall in love with their product. Their friends think it's cool. Everybody loves it. You know, it's got a cute logo, a great compelling catchphrase. The price is right. The quality's high. Hey, what's not to love? So mm -hmm. you go out there and you hammer the buyers with, you know, with features and benefits. Uh, and they don't want to hear that. You know, they really don't. Right. Um, the only person that cares about features and benefits is maybe your end user person, you know, the consumer. They want, they want to get something for their money, right? So they want sure. value. But all the people that you have to go through to get to your consumer, you know, it really starts with your employees. What, you know, why are they working for you and not somebody else? Do you stand for something that's better than just the mercantile value of what you're doing? Uh, can they go home at night and say, hey, I'm working for a company that's really making a change or making a difference or I'm making a difference? So what is that story? Well, in our case, Bonnie and I, we're, we're big time hikers and nature lovers. You know, we're tree huggers, right? Mm -hmm. So for us, saving nature is really important. So we found a way to save nature and use that as a method of getting the word out in our business. So that was part of our story was, you know, mm -hmm. hey, we took a hike, we went here, we went there, we helped these people raise funds to save this property and here's how we did it. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, I love that you go back to the employees. The end user is so important, but I even, even just today as we're recording this, was writing something in reference Richard Branson who says, the most important person isn't necessarily the client, it's the employee who will make the client happy. Absolutely. Yes, yes that's absolutely true. It's absolutely yeah. true. And how, and how did you begin to hone that story? You know, if we, like, if we go listen to this uh, 3D audio or read the book, you are great storytellers. You can tell just by talking to you. How did you, <clears throat> back then when you realized, okay, story is important, where did you go to begin to develop that craft? Well, when we wrote the book, we first had an author that wrote a book that was just the facts and this is what you got to do and this is what you don't do. It was so boring. We took the completed manuscript and we threw the whole thing in the garbage and we said, nobody's going to read this. We couldn't even read it. We couldn't even read it. <laughs> You'd lived it. <laughs> so, so we found a good storyteller who was an author. His name's Rick Cushman. And he was the Sacramento Bee wine writer for a very long time. And he wrote with humor. He wrote about wine to the everyday person. He didn't try to make it mysterious. And, and that was our way of communicating with our product barefoot to make it fun, to make it acceptable and, and accessible to ordinary people. And so we said, well, you know, we've got that in common. Let's see if we can work with Rick Cushman. So we told him our stories. That's what he wanted. And we mm -hmm. told him the lessons that were there. But he wanted to tell the story and let the audience come up with the lesson. 
So we had great stories, we had great lessons, and then we found a great writer to actually put them together in a way that was extremely entertaining. But so we could get our message across. People could yeah. learn business and have fun at the same time. Imagine that. Right. So I just like I just like to add, Dan, uh, to what Bonnie's saying, and and say that when you ask the question, how did you hone it down? Uh, when we got through after a year of working with with uh, Rick, the book was eight inches thick, and you know we had to get it down to like one airplane ride, right? <laughs> right. Or nobody was going to read it. And so I said to him, how are you going to decide how to hone it down? How are you going to get it down to, you know, this palatable size and still get the message across in the stories? Mm -hmm. And he said, you know, it's funny. He says they asked the sculptor who was faced with the block of marble how he was going to cut and carve the image of the king. And he said, oh, that's easy. I'll just chip away everything that doesn't look like the king. <laughs> yep, there you go. Absolutely. That's what Rick did. Rick was the guy who said, here's the king. This this is Absolutely. what this story is really about. And everything else maybe be another story someday. Yeah. So is there gonna be another story someday? You're gonna do Barefoot Spirit too? We are. We, well, we kind of did with the audiobook. Yeah, okay. it's a different version yeah. of the same story, but it's it brings it all to life. Oh, yeah, you know, absolutely. if you're gonna do uh an audio a performance and not just read the story, not just read it, okay, but actually perform it. Well, now you have to have scenes that have action and outcome, and the people in the scenes have to have characters developed so you know kind of how they think and how they're going to respond to stuff. And then stuff happens in right. the scene, and they take action, and the action has outcome. And as a result of viewing that, you walk away with the lesson. So converting a book, a business book into say an audio play is the real key, you know, because what you're doing is you're creating a bunch of little stories that only maybe the story in the last two minutes or three minutes, but they're strung together with other stories, uh, you know, in a segment and you draw a conclusion from that. Because yeah. you see the same thing exemplified in a lot of different ways. Yeah, that makes sense. And so when you're talking about this audio drama uh, and not just being a narrator and reading a book, how do you go about putting that together? Um, from our research and from our conversation before, you actually have a company that does that. How does that, how does that even work? Where do you start with that? Well, the Sherwood Players Productions is the group that we used. Mm -hmm. And we were fortunate to meet them through some contacts that we'd made in Southern California of Ryan Folan, who is a communications expert. And uh, he'd worked with this troupe before and recommended them. And we talked with them. And together, we went through some auditions. And we were able to choose the actors. And we saw some of his work, of course, before that and liked it. And that's how it came about. So we have a production company that we're working with. And uh, we're very happy with the results. So the production company took the book and they identified all the characters. Now, obviously, there's the Michael and Bonnie character working in their, you know, laundry room, you know, broke and trying to figure out what the heck they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. But then there's all these other characters. So they figure those out. Then they have to figure out 
what the characters say. So what the script is, you know, what is it? They call it a, they call it a screenplay. It's an mm -hmm. audio play. So you okay. have to create an audio play. And then you have to think about, you know, what is the music like? Is it tense? Is it mellow? You know, there's a scene where we're on a beach in Hawaii, but we have Hawaiian music playing. Of course. And there's another scene where we're in a, you know, a, a, a taco stand and there's Mexican music playing, right? But, uh, and then there's scenes where we're in cars and you can hear the motor running and the door slamming and you can hear the radio on and then you can hear the people talking as they're driving. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's, it's a lot of fun. They, they basically dissected the book and, you know, with our help, translated it into an audio play. And so that's how it's done. And we, as far as we know, we have the first business audio play out there. It's been done before, but it's been done for like fiction. Oh yeah. So this is yeah, nonfiction. <clears throat> yeah, there's you know, the audio dramas on in, in the podcast world. There are I just listened to read a book on Apple Podcasts, um, The Will to Die from a guy that that but it's a fictional book. It's not business. This is an incredible way to tell that story. why did you want to make sure the story got told this way? because more people would listen to it. We yeah. really want to get those lessons out there, those painful, stressful, costing lessons to other people. And we kept seeing all these young people with the buds in their ears. And we thought, well, in order to reach more people, we've, we've had the book actually in over 60 schools that teach entrepreneurship. So the paperback was very popular with students, but more and more, we saw them wearing buds and we said, well, then that's what we have to do to reach a greater audience. Mm -hmm. And this is an audience that is truly mobile. You know, mm -hmm. they don't want to be immobilized by script or even video. These are people that are riding their bike or they're jogging or they're driving. They need the kind of entertainment that doesn't really force them to focus on one thing in one place. Mm -hmm. So, it's, it's pretty interesting because I know years ago, we used to listen to, you know, uh, CDs and, uh, you know, old forms of, uh, of uh, uh, media, you know, right down to tape recordings, right? Mm -hmm. uh, right? Where we would listen to great speakers telling us their lessons. So it's great for a drive. This is, if you're going to take a road trip, you want to take the barefoot spirit along. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Can you imagine the, the old school reel to reel tapes and LPs and everything else or the old cassette tapes with Zig Ziglar's lessons instead? Yeah. We have an We've audio drama. Yeah. Great stuff, right? Ziggy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I was fortunate to have his Tom, his son Tom on the Storytellers Network and also oh, nice. the, the audio, the, the podcast host, Kevin Miller, who does the Ziggler show has also been on great lessons there, but this is such a different way to bring that drama and entertainment in is such a cool way. So kudos. Very cool. Thank you. Oh, speaking of Zig Ziglar, mm -hmm. of course, you know, Brian Tracy as well. Mm -hmm. He endorsed our book. Oh, nice. Congratulations. Yeah. He says, this is a warm, wonderful, inspiring book that entertains and motivates at the same time. Very Brian cool. Tracy. <laughs> awesome. It's nice to have people uh, give you that and that, that social proof, right? Yeah. So what do you two love about telling stories so much? Well, it's fun. 
Yeah. <laughs> right. I, I like the fact that you don't have to put together, you know, a big slideshow with a lot of bullet points. And, you know, for about 25 years, we've been told that business books have got to look like an outline. And uh, we've been told that stage uh, speaking has to be an outline. You know, here's the three things you got to do, the 10 things to never do, the 20 things your customer wants from you. And as you were saying earlier, you know, that gets single dimensional really fast. Mm -hmm. But it's also difficult to uh, perform. You know, I mean, to, to actually stand there and say the three things or whatever, you're not getting the response from the audience. You want the audience to be hanging on your words. You want them to have their eyes wide open. You don't want them to be checking their email or their, uh, their Facebook page. Uh, they want to be engaged. And when you tell somebody a story, you know, they're waiting for the punchline. They're waiting for the upshot. You know, what is the takeaway here? Or what happens to Billy anyway when he goes into that office? And so the other thing that we like about storytelling is that when you listen, you become, a, you become a participator in the story. You are participating. Uh, and, and I guess the word for it now is, what do they call that? Uh, it's a form of education where you're- well, it's interactive. It's interactive, uh, but uh, it'll come to me in a minute. But anyway, if somebody says, John walks into the office and, and pulled up a chair, your brain grabs an office from your memory. And right. then your brain goes out and grabs a chair from your memory. Well, what are you doing here? Well, you're putting the scene together in your head. So now you have these touchstones uh, in your brain that was going to help you remember that story. And I really right. think that, uh, that that's, it, it's, it's called experiential. That's oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yep. experiential. So you're experiencing the story. But yeah, that's what we love. We love the idea of giving people a good time. Michael Houlihan drove to the far end of the Piggly Wiggly parking lot in Columbia, South Carolina. That's what he did in every parking lot, and it's what all good salespeople do. Park as far away as they can. The spots by the door are for customers. Store managers notice the courtesy. It was mid-May. The sky loomed thick and close, a dark, steely, greenish gray. Michael didn't so much see the clouds as feel them, hot, heavy, and steamy. It was the kind of day that discourages movement. Ah, spring in the American South. Michael is a tall man, six foot two, a bit gangly, with reddish hair and an air that says he spent some time on a surfboard. He was wearing a dark suit carrying barefoot wine samples in a bag over his shoulder and holding a large foam core sign with a five-foot-tall purple foot. This was not a guy they saw every day at the Piggly Wiggly. When Michael had driven up, a dark-haired teenager was collecting stray shopping carts and wheeling them back to the store. By the time Michael started lugging his wine and sign across the 30-yard lot, the kid had abandoned his carts and was sprinting for the supermarket door. Hey, buddy, you better run. Say what? Run. Michael looked left and right. All he saw were parked cars. Did he hear the kid right? Then, boom. The thunderclap almost knocked him over. Michael felt it in his spine. Whoa, what was that? He stood there shaking it off. Maybe five seconds later, it began to rain. 
not gentle, soothing, wimpy spring rain like he knew in Northern California. This was rain from a fire hose or a falling river, buckets and buckets in seconds, drops that fell like walnuts. <sighs> Got it. In seconds, his suit was soaked, his tie was soaked, his shoes and socks and pockets filled with water. He started running for the store. Then came the wind, huge, uneven blasts blowing hard from the left, then hard from the right. Michael's sign turned into a sail. It yanked him west halfway across the parking lot. Then it pulled him east. Then another gust pulled him west again. He was hanging on, figuring if he let go, the sign would land in Georgia. Left, right, lurch, wobble, just don't let go. Inside the store, people had stopped. No one was checking out or bagging groceries or moving. They were watching this tall, fair-haired, California-looking guy in a suit, getting hammered by rain and staggering back and forth, wrestling with a giant purple foot. He disappeared out of view for a moment, then reappeared and heaved off in the other direction. He was barely making progress towards the door. The whole show took maybe four minutes. Michael tottered into the store through the automatic doors and just stood there for a second, catching his breath. He was leaking water onto the floor like a broken barrel. He looked up. The whole store, the shoppers, the clerks, the bag boys, the kid who'd been pushing carts stared at him wide-eyed. No one moved, just people staring. Michael stared back, dazed and dripping. That was the only sound, the dripping. No cash registers, no rustling, no chatter, just drip, drip, drip. Above them, out of the ceiling, that supermarket mechanical voice broke in. Wet mop, up front. So, so that's what you love, and it sounds like it comes pretty naturally. What's one of the challenges you face telling stories today? Um, well, reaching a greater number of people, um, making sure, which is whenever we're, we're speaking at a conference or something, we make sure that we know what the host wants and what the audience, where they're coming from and what their needs are. So we adjust our stories according to what their needs are. Mm, and that, I wouldn't really call it a challenge, but it's, it's a different way of telling a story to a different group of people. Sure. Making it more specific to their needs. One of the biggest challenges that I face, uh, and I'm sure others do too, is staying on point. Because you get into telling a story and it's easy to go <laughs> off into the weeds somewhere yeah. over some detail that you think you, you really want to underline or describe. And then you get lost in the weeds and <laughs> then you forget what you were saying. And then you say, oh, what was I saying again? You know, by that right. time, it's, I don't know, time for another beer or something. Right. I mean, sometimes getting lost in the weeds is nice when you got that glass of wine and you're, you know, and you're barefoot, right? There you go. Well, yeah. That's <laughs> wonderful at the dinner table. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, but on dinner. stage, yeah. it doesn't work as not well. Not for paying customers. No, not so much. Not so much. Um, so I love the story of, of barefoot wine. Why can you share just a little bit, just a tidbit? Um, and I'm going to, you know, and listeners go get the book and listen to it, but, uh, give a little bit of a tidbit about how this started for you two in your entrepreneurial journey. Be good. Well, we never really had an interest uh, in wine. People say, Oh, follow your passion. And that's wonderful. If you can follow your passion and make a buck at it. But 
wine was not our passion. Business was our passion. And we had clients here in Sonoma County, great wine growing region. And we lived here because of the beauty here and the closeness of the ocean. So we had clients that were in the wine industry. I had a client who was a grape grower and he wasn't paid for his grapes for three years. I saw as I started taking care of his office. And um, I said, well, let me take a look at your at your contract and let's see what we can do. He said, well, I don't have a contract. I said, well, okay. (laughs) I said, you're owed $300,000. Let me see if I can get my new boyfriend over here to go collect it. (laughs) You know, maybe he can do that. It was a bit above my head. So I sent Michael out to the winery to collect $300,000. And he got a big surprise when he arrived there. Yeah, they had just declared bankruptcy like that morning. Oh, wow. That morning. So, you know, the guard says, I hope you're not here to collect money because they <laughs> just filed the Chapter 11. You can take your number and wait your turn with the rest of us. Mm. And I went ahead with the meeting anyway. And, you know, the meeting was definitely going south. They didn't have any money. But I looked out the window and I saw these tanks gleaming in the sun, these stainless steel tanks. And I decided to make a little small talk. And I said, well, what do you got in those tanks? And they said, oh, we've got Cabernet Sauvignon and Sauvignon Blanc wine in bulk stored in those tanks. Mm -hmm. I looked out another window and I saw this thing that looked like a big, you know, handball court. And in the middle of it was this thing that looked like a chrome locomotive. It had tracks and everything. And I said, what's with the chrome locomotive in the handball court? And they said, oh, no, that's a bottling room and that's a bottling line machine. I said, really, does it work? And they said, yes. And then it hit me like a chrome locomotive. And I said, (laughs) what would happen if we took some of that wine out of those stainless steel tanks over there and we ran them through your bottling line and instead of paying us in money, you could just pay us in wine without labels. We'll come up with the labels. We'll come up with a marketing program. We'll do all the rest. How hard could that be? You know, how long could that take, right? Right. I got, I got a couple so, hours. Let's do it. <laughs> so that's, easy peasy. So right? that's that's the story of how we get started. We get started mm-hmm. on a debt that isn't even our own. Yeah, and that, that interesting how the, the paths bring you to where you are today, right? Yes. Yeah. <clears throat> we so, took advantage of an opportunity that we really couldn't let pass up. The right. grape grower said, "You know, I'm a full time winemaker." And I've got the vineyard. He said, I can't take on another business. I guess I'll just have to take the loss. Mm. And Michael and I had been working on this for a full four months at this point. And we said, oh, no, you can't do that. We've designed the label. We've got this agreement. You know, we're going to bottle in just a couple months. We're all ready to go. And that's when Michael said, we'll take the debt and we'll take the bottling services and the wine. We'll Mm. sell it all to a big chain, pay you back, put a couple bucks in our pocket and, you know, move on. Ingenious. Well, we thought it would take maybe, (laughs) maybe three, four years, five at the most. Yeah. And it took 20. So it was a little, (laughs) a little longer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, but a great story. (laughs) But we learned a lot of lessons along the way. And uh, that's why we're so excited about sharing them now with other entrepreneurs that start off with the same idea. Hey, how hard could it be? How long could it take? Well, let me tell you. (laughs) I've been there, done that. Pull up a chair and a cup of coffee. Uh, 
how, what do you, how do you see entrepreneurship in America today? I've, I've heard, you know, different opinions about it. It's great. <clears throat> there aren't enough. How does it look like to you two, you know, 20 years later, how is entrepreneurship in America as a, as a world? I think uh, if I, if I can speak first, Bonnie. Yes, you uh, may. Okay, well, as you know, Bonnie and I have spoken at more than 60 schools that teach entrepreneurship. Yeah. And, you know, 20 years ago, there was only five schools that taught entrepreneurship. So that's number one. They're actually teaching it, which is interesting because mm. you've got to teach somebody how to be risk adverse. And you've got to teach somebody how to be nice so mm. that people will work for that person. And so they'll lend them money. And so they'll buy things from them. And the audience, the students. Half of them are uh, international students. Yeah, and, oh, and half of them are also female. Yeah, that's oh, another wow. thing. It's like in the future, you'll be working for a woman. It'll be her business. Okay, yeah. so women ran into the glass ceiling. They said, to heck with this. I'm going to start my own business. And they did. Uh, and, a, and so that's what we see. So, the, so number one is they're teaching it. Number two is there's more women in it. Number three is, and I don't know if this is good news or bad news, but uh, technology has pretty much gotten to the point of being so worshipped and focused upon mm. that soft skills have been thrown in the garbage. And that's mm. a big mistake. And so one of the things that Bonnie and I bring back to entrepreneurship and entrepreneurial education is what we think is the key to keeping your people from quitting, to keeping your suppliers giving you unlimited credit at no interest, uh, to keep your buyers loyal and buying tons of whatever you're selling. And that's soft skills, which means putting yourself in the other guy's shoes, anticipating what they need, uh, being the assistant buyer, uh, basically not making the mistake I did, which is beating them up with features and benefits, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. go in there and tell them the story, you know, you, they got to like yeah. you first, right? Yeah. That's what's really important. Uh, and uh, people don't just like anybody. They like people they can identify with. So it right. gets back to story, Dan. And also another thing about entrepreneurship today, we learned when through our travels, uh, that other countries see the United States as the shining star for entrepreneurship. And that's why they're sending students here to learn. So we are the example here in the States. It's not so popular to be an entrepreneur in other countries. One thing is a good entrepreneur gets out there and sticks his neck out and half the time gets it chopped off, more or less. So you're not always going to succeed and an entrepreneur is going to understand that, learn from the lessons, pick themselves up and go for it again. But in other countries, once you make that big mistake and your idea fails, it's like you've got this failure, dark cloud over your head that you can never get rid of. Well, here in the States, people, your friends, your business associates say, well, that didn't work. What are you going to do next? That's right. What's next? How I love can I that. help you? Yeah, what can we do to make yeah. this fly? <laughs> Even better. So, yeah, entrepreneurship is definitely on the way up. I think, I think the millennials uh, in their hearts, uh, at least 30% of them want to be self-employed somehow. They don't really want to work for someone else. Yeah. So, you know, God bless them and we want to help them. Yes, they need help. They Absolutely. Do. Absolutely. So how can we use story 
do you think in our everyday lives, uh, just and on a regular basis, how can we use story in a real way? One thing I think is really important is the entrepreneur that starts a company in his laundry room, like Michael and I did, or the garage or something, and they build it up and they start getting more employees and they become successful. And then the time comes when nobody knows the entrepreneur's story. Nobody knows their real mission statement and the struggles they went through. And story can be used to preserve a founder's message to preserve his legacy in business to Mm. get all the people that he's working with to understand how their job came about Mm -hmm. now chances are the founder or founders have done most of the jobs in the company no matter how many employees they have at one time or another they had to learn a little bit about it to make it go Mm -hmm. and that can get lost. People can think that they're in their own silo and that they don't really have to be a part of the whole team. So by telling story, the founder can preserve the legacy of the company. And that's what we're excited about now because we're actually doing that for other people, for business owners. So we're putting their legacy into a business audio theater and then they can share it that way with their employees. That's awesome. The only thing I would add to that, Dan, is that you know, in your daily life, you're constantly trying to communicate ideas and concepts to other people. Uh, when you tell them a story that basically says, now here's a person that walks into this business and here's a salesperson that goes up to them and says, can I help you? And blah, blah, blah. Now here's another situation where the person has to ask for help. Now, which one of those situations do you think is more likely to make the sale? I mean, that's a really simple example, but you notice how we use story in both cases. You get to see, so you, you let the listener decide what works and what doesn't work by letting them look with you at a scene that you create verbally. So, you know, when, when Thor came back into the cave after slaying the Mastodon, he told the story of how maybe Igor got killed by the Mastodon because he didn't attack him the right way and how they went out on this hunting party and they did it the right way. Well, everybody listening around the fire now knows the right way and the wrong way to attack a Mastodon. Yep, yep, absolutely. <laughs> so it's storytelling throughout history. Yeah, that's good. Let the listener decide. I like that. They Then they can learn that way. Yeah. <clears throat> um. You said just a minute ago, uh, Bonnie, you said um, business audio theater. I wrote it down. Business audio theater. So I, I, what, what a cool idea. What a way to, to, yes. to keep that legacy going. What a way to teach employees to, to cast the vision as a leader. Um, do I have to have a book already written in order to, to, to go down that journey with you? No. No, not necessarily, because we do have the production company that can take your stories, as Rick Cushman did for us, and um, make sure that the lessons all apply to your 
your mission statement to the message that you want to get across to your employees and add characters, add dialogue. That's possible. The best way is if you already have a book written and uh, if you have dialogue and characters and stories already in it, then uh, it's, it can be done. I wouldn't say it's easy, but it can definitely be done. Yeah. So interesting. Basically what you do is if you don't have a book, you think of maybe 10 different lessons or principles that you want to convey through story. And then for each one of those lessons or principles, you think about a real life situation that demonstrates the action of that principle uh, in a scene. And you create characters or they already exist in your real life and they're your memoirs. You say, well, I remember when this happened. Mm -hmm. So-and-so came in, they said such and such, so-and-so said they never heard of it, blah, blah, blah. And then this happened. See, and then fast forward two months, this happens. And so the idea is the listener is now engrossed in the story and your book is a series of stories. Mm -hmm. So through a series of interviews, we could work with you and develop that audio play. Mm -hmm. And then as Bonnie says, we can add the music, we can add the sound effects, and we can make it, you know, to your liking, you know, you, yeah. you obviously can edit it any way you want. But you also you also have some realities that you got to deal with, which is how long is a person going to listen, you know, if you have a book, that say, five eighths of an inch, one airplane ride, okay, so that's like seven hours. Uh, mm -hmm. people are not going to sit down and listen to seven hours unless they're going to binge it. So they're going to listen to maybe 45 minutes at a time. So yeah. maybe you only want to have two 45 minute segments, or, or maybe you want to have three episodes, each one of them is 45 minutes. Um, another thing that we like to do and we did with ours that your listeners will appreciate is at the end of every segment, mm -hmm. there is an interview with the real Michael and Bonnie where the guy who's actually interviewing us says, hey, were you guys crazy? What were you thinking about? Why did you do that? You know, yeah. what made you think this guy would behave this way? And so it's a little two minute excerpt that kind of brings you up to date, you know, with the real world, like, you know, okay, now we're back on the planet. Mm. So that's cool. There's so it's a lot like of a behind, fun things we can do. Yeah. So it's kind of like a behind the scenes thing that we all love to go see, right? The, the audio yes, track. Yeah, behind right? the yeah. scenes. Exactly. Backstage. <clears throat> that, that's cool. Yeah. Backstage. That's a good one. Backstage. Uh, Cause it is an audio play. I love that. Um, how do you think that social media has affected the way we tell stories today? Was that a, a play at all in how you guys did this? Well, absolutely. You know, social media is what got so many people engaged in the first place. Mm. I mean, uh, they want to see if, you know, they got any hits on their post or so-and-so has something interesting. Uh, but, and so what they're doing is they're becoming interactive already. Um, and they also are becoming educated. They know that the YouTube uh, segments that really go viral are the ones that tell a story or that they're oh so true or what have you. Um, and so because of that, we think that the next step is to say, okay, well, let's go full on then. Let, let's, let's listen to a story about a business. And these people are just like you. 
and they're going to get their butts kicked, but you're going to learn from how they get their butts kicked and how they pick themselves up and get back onto the game. Yeah. So yeah, social media is really important. In fact, we're doing a social media campaign right now on this book. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. And, and do you think that, you know, have you seen either a story consumers or as storytellers now that you are professionally, has, has social media had a, a negative impact on how we tell stories? I don't think it's negative. I, I think I wouldn't no. say so. It's it's opening up the possibility of stories to more people. More people mm -hmm. are going to social media to tell their stories and to hear other people's stories. They don't so much go there. Um, it seems to be more of a social uh, communication than it is for education. Is mm -hmm. how it's being used right now. But as I said, I think you can be entertained and learn business at the same time. If it's oh, yeah. done right. Well, what social media yeah. has taught us as storytellers is keep it short. Mm. Because there's so much social media, it's so much noise out there that people have reduced their attention span. They want to know right away what this is about, see? And they want to know right away what the takeaway is. So you're not dealing with people that are really patient anymore. They're not going to sit there and read War and Peace to learn about the futility of war. You know what right. I mean? They're going, to, they're, they're going to want to read something like maybe a 60-second uh, you know, uh, segment off of YouTube or, or what have you. Yeah. Um, and, I, and I really think that it's good for us to think about story as a series of small stories so people can tune in when they want and tune out when they want. That's a good one. I like that. That's good. Um, awesome. Speaking of keeping it short, I don't want to take up all of your time. This has been incredible. I love the story. This is so cool. Before I get to my last question, though, Michael and Bonnie, I, I want to make sure that listeners have a chance to connect with you. I will put links in the show notes for the, for the audio book, for the social media. Yeah. But where do you send everybody for the best place to connect with, with the Barefoot Spirit? Well, they should go to uh, barefootaudiobook.com. And when they go there, they'll learn about our other sites and everything else, but they'll also get a free chapter that they can download and just listen to for free to see what they think of this new form of uh, business dramatic theater. Hmm. Awesome. We'll put those links in the show notes. Uh, listeners, go do that. Uh, it's a great production. And speaking of, you have um, as big as a name as Ed Asner, Hollywood legend. How did that happen? <laughs> You know, he, 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 he understood what we were doing and he wanted to be part of it. You know, the guy's like, is he, what is he, 90? He just turned 90 a couple months ago. He just turned 90, ago. you know, wow. and this is the guy from Mary Tyler Moore and, you know, all the way back into the 60s. Can you imagine? Yeah. And he wanted to be part of what he considers to be the latest thing. And of course, we had, uh, we had, a, we had a, uh, an opening for a very snarky buyer who was going to kick us out of the office and read us the riot act and tell us that we were dreaming and uh, bring us back to earth. And he, who better to do it than Ed Asner. Right. <laughs> That's cool. Awesome. So, all right. So here's, here's the big one for you too. Um, you can answer separately together, however you want to do this. But uh, if someone were to tell you today that you can no longer tell stories, you could, you couldn't be a storyteller anymore. What would the last story you'd want to leave before you stop telling stories? Mm. The last story, I, I can't imagine a story I'd want to tell more than the barefoot spirit. Mm. It's a long story, <laughs> seven hours in audio, 
but it really shows uh, the changes that entrepreneurs go through in the learning process of what to do to succeed. So that would be my story. And it is. That's my yeah. story. And I'm sticking to it. <laughs> well, what I like about the, what I like about leaving him with the barefoot spirit is, you know, we talk about spirit, we say, well, that guy's got great spirit, or that mm -hmm. team has great team spirit. Or, you know, that's the spirit. We use that word to really define the stuffing, you know, the, the, the go-getterness, you know, what is it about you? The and guts. The, the emotion in the, the heart. Yeah, the emotion, the fire in your belly, that kind of thing. And, and if we can leave the planet having left that message in a story that people can listen to and get it and apply it, well, then we're very happy we've done our job. That's for sure. Absolutely. I would, that would be a great way to go out. I hope it's not your last story. I think you have many more in you, but uh, that's a good last story. Thank you both so much for making time and, and for being a part of this with me. It's been our pleasure. This has been a blast. Thanks for having us on. Thanks, Dan. Once again, Bonnie and Michael, thank you so much. You can connect with them at the links in the show notes, all about the Barefoot Spirit and Barefoot Wines and everything going on there. So if you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with someone who could benefit from it, an entrepreneur that you think maybe needs to hear the story. You can share it on social. You can send an email, just talking with somebody. Any way you help spread the word on these conversations with storytellers is so appreciated. Let's change the world through story together, shall we? And if you want to share your story with me, go to the storytellersnetwork.com to connect with me or email me directly. Send me a note, dan at the storytellersnetwork.com. Be sure to subscribe to the email list as well for new episodes and insider information every month. Thank you for joining me on this journey. Until next time, here's to telling our stories and having those stories to tell. Cheers. Thank you.